Hello and welcome to The Hill is Always Greener, a show where a bunch of old nerds take you back in time to reminisce about the glory days of one Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm Cyberlink. I'm Game Buddy. I'm Valero. And I'm Rock the Jake. Cool, we did it. Good job, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see y'all next time. Cool. <laughs> and this week, we are finally doing it, folks. We are finally covering episodes of the Saturday Morning Sonic Show, Sat AM, as the kids call it. Yeah, they shouldn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ABC's Sonic the Hedgehog, whatever you want to call it, the other Sonic show. Uh, the other Sonic cartoon that aired. Did it air at the same time of it as AOSDH? Because I know one yes. was. Oh, yeah, like, it, it was definitely simultaneous. Right, yeah, so just on different channels. One was syndicated, one wasn't. Yeah. It was Adventures, uh, when it first aired, was uh, four, five days, weekdays, and then, yep, yep. Sonic the Hedgehog was Saturday mornings, hence Saturday AM. You think for a show that they only put on like once a week, they would have time to really make it like the highest quality Sonic show, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think I said this when we revisited Adventures that it is doing its best with the budget they have, including adding funny sound effects to obvious animation errors to kind of (laughs) smooth things over. (laughs) It's a... It's a different cartoon than the last one we talked about, I have to say. (laughs) Considerably so. Uh, Same Sonic. Well, not the same Sonic. Same Sonic voice actor. Similar design. And that's about where the similarities end, I suppose. Well, also the same raging heterosexuality. Well, yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Just in a whole different exciting way, uh, kind of. Yeah, I I, I guess I, I kind of forgot that Sad AM Sonic's big thing is that he usually has Sally Acorn there to play against. And so Sad AM Sonic is, I wouldn't call him stupid, but he has a very different personality from her. And so he does come across, uh, you know, Adventure Sonic is basically Bugs Bunny. So he has to be mostly on the ball all the time and like figure things out mostly for tails but yeah set am sonic gets to be a little more like headstrong and not as uh illogical as sally is and at their best i think it works really well that uh she picks up on things that sonic misses and at their worst like she is just like the girl character uh that gets to talk about what a silly goose sonic is and <laughs> but thankfully that there are a lot of good moments in these episodes in particular yeah, yeah, you have to sort of look past Sally rolling her eyes and being like, you are impossible. Cute mm-hmm. audio, cute laugh track, which isn't actually there, but you, you hear it in your head. Yeah, uh, I feel I, the, the one that sticks out on my mind, because again, it was on one of the episodes I had on VHS was the uh, exchange where she's like, will you be serious for a minute? 30 seconds is my limit. One day you'll learn that speed is no substitute for common sense. Time's up. And then literally like taps his foot looking at his watch and she while she's berating him. And I'm like, okay, okay, we get it. Boys and girls are different in the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) Men are from Mars. Women are from Mobius. You know how it goes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
we're, we're not gonna dunk. We're not gonna dunk on SIM the whole time. By the way, we're just. I, I I don't know if we've like made hints towards it in previous episodes, but we, we're we tend to lean a bit more towards uh, Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog when it comes to our specifically '90s Deke Sonic cartoon series. Yeah, <laughs> and that it, it's not to say that we dislike the Saturday morning show or think it's a bad show. Far from it. It's just that we skew a little more adventurousy in terms of personal taste. Yeah, I I think we kind of made it clear when we revisited adventures that like adventures, you know what you're getting. Like it's very mm-hmm. silly. You know that it is going to be uh, again. Like uh, you know you're going to get some kick-ass John Baldry, uh, regardless <laughs> of what you tune into. Yeah. Um, that absolutely does not take itself seriously there's almost no continuity uh um and sat am uh is kind of the opposite to where there is some self-seriousness uh, uh all over this mixed in with the comedy and that i know there's recently been kind of a resurgence of tracing everything back to like joss whedon dialogue but i think this predates this this is more just like comic book uh saturday morning kids like obviously written at a kid's level but meant to be like adults having conversation like quipping back and forth it's not bad it's just lots of kids shows were like this and like the the writers that worked on this also worked on other shows at the time like Jeez, real Ghostbusters, Street Sharks, Ninja Turtles, you know, basically that ilk where everybody kind of talks like this. And it's not, again, it's not bad. It's just, it's very of its time. You definitely get the vibe of, yep, this is a 90s cartoon, uh, the moment (laughs) it loads up. And, you know, once you get, you've got to keep that in mind. You've got to have like that mindset of, you know, cartoons hadn't quite got to the point where they were, (laughs) <laughs> don't want you to say that, but better than this, because I feel like cartoons have come a long way since this sort of stuff. Uh, just in term, not just in terms of like, do they look good? Is the animation better? But just in the general sense of writing, uh, th- this this is a script of its time. It's not, but it was like I feel like it was written well sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be fair, it is still a step above the like hyper-toyetic scripts of, like, a lot of those 80s cartoons. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what, that's that's actually a good point about this, is it isn't like, uh, okay, here's Sonic, here's all the Sonic Bible things that you need to know, make a show out of it. This was very much, like, to, to both its benefit and detriment, uh, the, the creators of the show were given Sonic the Hedgehog, looked at it, or, and were like, well, I don't know what we do with this, so let's make our own thing. And that's essentially what this is. <laughs> Yeah. And it didn't have to worry about, like, also you have to cram in this week's new toy releases in this particular episode. Yeah. Here's what you've got to work with. Do it or else. They had they had a surprising amount of freedom. Uh, this is, as a result, this is like a Sonic show that stands out on its own and maybe doesn't feel all that Sonic-y, but it is... You know, it's unique. It's they had a lot of clearly had a lot of creative control. Imagine having that in a Sonic media product these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is like 
uh it, it is the the opposite end of the spectrum compared to like today which again is not i i am not making any judgments on like whether that's good or bad it's just different now but yeah i do definitely at the top want to acknowledge that like lynn jansen who is the credited um story editor for these episodes he is also like uh, i think you would consider like the series creator of set am who wrote the specifically the show bible for this like uh not the you know not the other sonic bibles we've already talked about mm. but like established like not whole and like uh robotropolis stuff that would go on to be picked up by like the archie comics and uh you know fleshed out even more then but like he he established that and um these were both written by ben hurst which is also like a name that pops up all over sat am and i think he is rightfully so like the guy who did like the 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 story heavy episodes that flowed into each other and um there's also lots of uh, very, very good interviews with him before he uh, sadly passed away about how he and his writing partners also tried to do that with the next Sonic show, Sonic Underground. And they basically just like just couldn't do the same thing. Um, but I, I, I do feel comfortable saying that like Ben Hurst and his writing partner, uh, uh, Pat Ali, um produce like all of the the episodes of sad am that i look back on and remember as being like oh yeah those were really good it usually ends up being being them and so um i think that's why these these episodes end up being like super solid i think it is interesting that that this is a writing duo of a male writer and a female writer working with a show that has let's be honest it's like the hedgehog in name only because this is the sonic and sally show (laughs) Uh, more often than not and it has a male and female lead and I don't know if I don't know if that that really had any like bearing on the writing process, but I think it does add something. I don't know. Maybe that's just me over extrapolating from that. But I just like the thought that you know this is uh two different people working together to create to essentially forge this unique show with two unique leads. Yeah, and, and I'm and I'm thinking about at the time like like I've already mentioned like your Ninja Turtles and like all your Ninja Turtles spinoffs and other stuff. Like it was usually um much more like off balance as far as like you know ninja turtles it's like it's the turtles and then april the one girl or it's <laughs> and like still there's there's a pretty even balance but no sally is the co-protagonist of this show like she shows up in just as much as episodes as sonic does and what and everybody else is like a secondary character thinking of like bunny antoine uh rotor and then you have a tertiary tag character like what was his name again uh tails i think <laughs> yeah <laughs> man tertiary i mean even far farther down the ladder <laughs> rungs is because this was definitely the era of it works more in adventures where yeah he's sonic's little bro and they're hanging out but in sat am like no he's a little kid he's not going to be going on you know eco-terrorist missions with the rest of the crew just <laughs> um, have a baby I mean, I remember Tails gets a maybe a couple of episodes uh, where he's doing like fun things around Knothole, but it's yeah, he's very much on the back burner in this series. And he would have had a more significant role in season three if that ever happened, apparently. But alas, what could have been? We could probably do a whole whole thing on that, but we not today. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> another topic for another day. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. 
Well, I do want to say at the top that booting these episodes up is that this theme song blows my d*** clean off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sonic, he can really move. Sonic, he's got an attitude. Sonic, he's the fastest thing alive. He's the fastest thing alive. He's the fastest thing alive. It's still really good. Yes unironically i think it's awesome still like no oh, yeah I, you know people pass around like the sonic underground intro like oh it's so funny how hard this goes i'm like nope set am that intro i love it it's great yes. i think it's <laughs> it the per- it sets the scene remarkably well like it's yeah it's a hard rocking song kind of yeah there's a lot of synth going on but there's plenty of guitar behind there and you got the metal vocals who is it who's singing the song again yeah, I think it's um, I think it's uh, noisy neighbors is the name That's that it. I see for like the the instrumentation, and it's Michael. Um, yeah, noisy neighbors is the band, and it was composed by uh, Michael uh, Tavera, I believe. Because I know there are two variations. One's got like, but is it the same vocalist on each one? Well, whatever. <laughs> yeah, good. there was that. There was that leak. Um, I say a few years ago. I think it was closer to ten of like a bunch of pro- proto sad am music from the yeah. composer um which yeah. is super cool, That's cool. <laughs> yeah. i love that yeah. song but this is this is the one though right yes. yeah like because it, it while it is like pretty hot you know it's, it's pretty heavy i say heavy it's a cool sounding song but it's also got this weird melancholy to it and the, a, a feeling of danger i don't know I don't know it's how got you the, uh... describe that in musical terms. <laughs> hey, Jake, you're a good musical person to have. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, well, yeah, definitely, like, the melody and the and the lyrics, and especially the vocals by, you said it was Michael, what was his name? Michael Tavera. Uh, Michael, T- T- yeah, Tavera, he composed it, but I think Noisy Neighbors is the uh, the band that I see that performed it. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure if that was, like, a, a real band or, like, just the name of this studio folks, but... Yeah. But it's it's just such a great theme song, like you know, like I like I just said, like the melody and the lyrics are just they soar, they they elevate, and even later on in the song, there's like a key change that like like key changes usually help with like a sense of like expectancy or a sense of like bringing up even more excitement because and usually they happen not always of course, but usually they happen later on in a song to like kind of be that final capstone before the song is over and with how dramatic the show can get it's we've all said it already this is a very fitting theme for the show and man like i i love it not even like the whole unironic sense like i just straight up love it like this is a, such a good song not even just for yeah, a real song is. but just for a theme for just a song itself i love it <laughs> i think well, you're right it starts off on like that sort of minor key almost dun, 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 as as sonic is like running through a mobotropolis is being transformed into robotropolis yep but then it starts becoming heroic again and as sonic fights back against the, yeah the robotnik the robotnik yeah. Against Robotnik. The Robotnik. <laughs> <laughs> he, is, he is the Robotnik of the show. Um, yes. I like... Um, it, it's, it's interesting because I feel... Um, I, I really like how Sonic's speed has its own 
sound in this show too just to bring up talking about the intro because it's it's in there like he has a sonic boom he breaks the sound barrier because he's rushing into mobitropolis Mm -hmm. but i love and especially because we had to look up the sound effects for uh adventures of sonic because i used a couple in our champions uh comic book dramatized things but i like the the that sonic has his he has his own soundtrack or uh he has his own soundscape for his speed in this one too and it's pretty cool like i i it's hard to describe but yeah it's lots of like heavy revving up like an engine and and lots of stuff like that but what the 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 big like the when he zooms out that's like a jet engine right that yeah 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 um, and and lots of buzz saws thrown in there for his for his spin attacks. Yep. Um, but the the intro itself is super good at just like showing. Uh, you know, I, I love a good intro that really does like set the tone for like the whole show. Like if you showed someone this who had never seen it before, I think that they would get a sense of like, okay, Sonic is like, he is the, you know, the, the team a, he's always forward leading the way, but everybody else has their own like unique things. Like I think, uh, you know, Sally gets like the cool moments setting up stuff in the intro. Even bunny is there. Like she tears off the grate with a robot arm and man, it's, just it's it's good stuff and it's you know it's also one of those where they poured money into it to to make sure it looks super good that's how Um, it always is for 90s cartoons (laughs) can i just something jackie pointed out for me by the way um while we were watching is it you first you see like one of the i almost said robian using archie terms but the the roboticized (laughs) mobian like uh walking around like Frankenstein's monster, and then it cuts to a close shot of an, a robot arm, and that's Bunny. And you're like, "Oh wait, that's oh, actually not, <laughs> that's and someone who's partly roboticized." So that gets that yeah. point across really easily. Yes. Yep. I, I I definitely looking back on this show, and uh, y- you know, even thinking of like Archie comics, like Bunny is one of my favorite characters yeah. now. Like knowing knowing where she went in the the Archie comics, she's just a cool character. Um, it w- would have been so easy. I mean, look, like they they made the best of it in in later Archie, where her and Antoine like uh, end up together and like they bring out better things in his character. But she could have been such a one note like stereotype of a you know a hick Howdy, cowboy. I'm Southern. <laughs> yes, yeah. but but no the the fact that they they. Made made her like yes she is partially roboticized and that is both a and i think the show even even the show gets into it that it is both a strength and a uh you know a a thing of contention because she is different and it you know could even be seen as like a disability in some mm-hmm. in uh some contexts and yeah Bunny's just cool as hell, and um, she she only gets one line in the show, but it, it really did make me miss uh, Christine Cavanaugh as well. Just mm. what a what a powerhouse uh, uh, actor she was, able to t- craft characters with such a unique tone that stood out. And um, yeah, Bunny rules. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you got the Bunny stuff out of the way because we're not going to have much chance to talk about her. No, yeah. <laughs> someday someday we'll have to. Maybe we'll do a whole episode on how cool bunny is but <laughs> before we get off the um opening sequence i just want to point out my what i'm not even sure if it's a criticism uh the lyrics are great they sound awesome they tell you exactly who sonic is they don't really tell you anything else about the show that's illustrated through the like opening <laughs> sequence quite but it, the song is just about sonic he's really cool sonic <laughs> sonic 
it's near Sonic, <laughs> but the show isn't is only halfway about Sonic, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Now, granted, if they went out of their way to over-explain it, we would have like a Sonic Underground situation. <laughs> yes. Imagine that version of the song. Well, yeah. Nick took over Mobotropolis. It really sucked. Now everybody <laughs> is a robot. Oh, holy crap. Sonic and Sally too, Antoine and Bernie. <laughs> it's gonna end on an unresolved cliffhanger. <laughs> you get to watch them kiss, and it's really fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> but that's spoilers, by the way. Who the heck is not a guess? <laughs> <laughs> Did we actually talk about what episodes, by the way? <laughs> did we actually say what episodes we're covering? We no, we well, alluded to it. We have not. <laughs> well, we did the intro first, and then you get to find out what the episode is. That's the way it works. On da, 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 da. The not Back to the Future theme, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is very fitting considering this is a we're hand, we're covering the another story arc, by the way, just like we did um, with Adventures of Sonic Hedgehog. This is Blast to the Past, parts one and two, uh, a time travel story. Again, <laughs> yeah, because we can't escape. From crossing fate. This is uh, this... during the second season where the episode titles were that uh, they actually reflected what was going on in the episode, which I'm thankful for. <laughs> so we're able to sort through a little more because, like, early on, you were dealing with stuff like Sonic and Sally. Turbo Sonic, Super Sonic. Is Super Sonic in it? No. Big disappointment. <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I immediately remember thinking that um, this is also where they started to use a different font. Oh. <laughs> and I, I don't know if I cared that much as a kid, but rewatching them, I'm like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> Look, I think it's like a little fancier than the usual one. Yeah, bit, yeah. It's, what do they call that font? I don't know, but it was a lot more oh. like... I wouldn't say impact font originally. But Sonic <laughs> Blast font. <laughs> it does look like a, yeah, the original one does look like an italicized uh, impact or, or <laughs> even even maybe like a modified like Sonic logo. It's a little scripty, like it's almost like from a scroll. That's the, that's yes. the vibe I get from it. So yeah. like when I was watching it as a kid, I was like, ooh, this seems fancy. Are they yep. going to get into some ancient mysticism or something? That's the, That was my immediate... A uh, ten-year-old reaction to this, I think. It's not quite papyrus, but it's in the same family. Yeah. <laughs> we already mentioned these are both written by Ben Hurst, and um, God, the 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 first episode opens up with it's Sonic, Sally, and is Dulcie already there? Oh, it opens up on uh, Sonic, Sally, and the two uh, their friends, Cannon and Fodder. <laughs> oh, that's For a right. Second, Sorry, I thought you were being serious. <laughs> The friends nuts and bolts. Yeah, these poor bastards. These, it's a. <laughs> these I mean, I, 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 I appreciate <laughs> <laughs> these red shirts that uh, show up. Yeah, yep. there's a horse and a bear, and they're just there. Yeah, I was about to say I appreciate their their designs are cool. They they fit right in. Um, but yeah, we were talking in the pre-show that I I have uh, another episode. I remember someone with Cat, who's like you know an older freedom fighter who basically like gets caught halfway through the episode and like Sonic doesn't rescue him and you don't even see if he gets roboticized. It's just like, oh man, he was, Sonic was too late, which is a thing that immediately stood out revisiting these is that Sonic is, 
he is definitely like he's always the front runner. He is the main like uh, offense guy. He is distracting the, uh, you know, the patrolling robots. He is he is kicking ass and taking names, but he's not invincible. And like he fails a lot in this show because mm-hmm. Robotnik is such a like he is already again. We are we, he has already taken over Mobius like this isn't a. uh you know, he he is not uh, in the process. He has completely like d- dominated most of this world, and yeah. so Alex already won essentially. Yes, which Pretty I mean, much. these episodes deal with that uh, a lot. But I, I I appreciated that, and um, I think that was part of like the uh, the the, the Sadam lore bible is that the heroes have both wins and losses, and mm-hmm. uh, that that's pretty cool. That yeah, Sonic is like he is super fast. He's you know got his spin attacks, but like he can't just. I want to say up front that these episodes ironically literally have Sonic talking about why don't we just take out Robotnik once and for all? I wish we could have done that back before he even did this. And like Sonic can't just do that. He can't just zoom straight to Robotnik's headquarters and take him out because he'll get caught and he's no good to anybody if he gets roboticized. That's that's what's interesting. You did mention that this guy can get caught. Like Sonic at one point Sonic gets caught. Uh, and he doesn't like spin attack his way out of it. Now, if this was Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog Sonic, uh, he would probably put on some sort of disguise and get out of there. <laughs> he'd, probably, he'd probably like put on a mechanics outfit and be like, I'm here to fix a couple of faulty robots, yeah! And he'd pull out a giant wrench and then, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it, would yeah. some, it would be something like that. He would get away because AOSTH Sonic, as you mentioned, is Bugs Bunny, uh, prepared yeah. for any and all circumstances. Not this guy. <laughs> Let's yeah. not forget that like AOSTH Sonic also also had like probably the best and most hilarious getaway ever of just saying I'm over there and then running away the different direction. Yeah, I'm over there. That's good stuff. <laughs> that's that's exactly how it says how you know, he says it too. Oh my goodness. Yep. But uh, like a like a lot of episodes, this one opens up where Sonic Sally, uh, our aforementioned uh <laughs> cannon fodder and uh, <laughs> a couple other freedom fi- fighters are um doing a i'm this is also like i kind of love this era of cartoons like i'm sure we'll bring up captain planet again later once we get into robotnik but where the fact that that on the surface because robotnik is the bad guy who loves polluting and corrupting nature that the freedom fighters get to be straight up eco terrorists yeah. <laughs> they are doing a hit on a power generator in robotropolis trying to take out a uh, part of robotnik's grid and that is f-ing rad dude <laughs> Like Sally sets up a zip line for these two guys to go over and set the bomb. And then they they basically accomplish that part because one of the, uh, you know, the, the, the lights flicker off, but then they're not coming back across the zip line. And unfortunately, Sally sees through her binoculars that they have been picked up by the uh, the SWAT bot patrols. Oh, no, our poor, our poor nameless guys with no lines. Uh, we're going to miss them. No, no lines, <laughs> no name. Uh, like I said, ba- like I said, they might as well just be the poor bastards. <laughs> yeah, uh, Chris. After you told us about like what you found out about what the show defines as roboticization, mm-hmm. like e- like understanding that, even though these guys are cannon father, I still actually kind of feel a little bit bad for them because like, geez, 
<laughs> I mean, I'd, yeah, like, you can't help but be a little compassionate, even if you have no idea who these guys are. <laughs> um, but just to reiterate, that is a, a, uh, an anecdote from Ben Hurst, the writer, uh, who said that robotization is just on the outside and that basically you are Im- imprisoned within the robot shell, still like flesh and blood, you know, mind and body. And it's like horrible, horrible existential body horror. (laughs) So yeah, just think of that when, you know, later you get like, Oh, the cute doggy gets roboticized and looks like one of those toys from the nineties that he is screaming internally for the rest of his days. (laughs) I'm getting serious. Like Pokemon or, or Pokemon know that they're like in a box or in a ball. <laughs> vibes from oh it. yeah. <laughs> dark Pokemon, you know, fighting animals. Yeah. Yeah. Re- real grim, dark stuff. But th- this is one of the things I mentioned where Sonic immediately takes after seeing if he can intercept the, uh, the, the robots um, who, who have his friends and he just comes up, a cr- he gets the door shut in his face and they do a real good job of it's like a car, like a, th- three to four foot like steel thick door that like Sonic could not just bust through. Yeah. And he, he tells Sally he's going to meet him back up at the, uh, the rendezvous point, And this is where uh, bunny gets her one line. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he, he says that like, he wasn't fast enough and is real like broken up about it. And th- this is also where like, he throws his fist to the sky. One day, Robotnik, you're going down, man. Big time. Which a lot of these is like, yeah, you can't, you can't even say like destroy, <laughs> let alone kill in this, in this yeah. cartoon. But that's basically what Sonic is saying is that, you know, I'll get you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, this is where Dulcie comes in, who Dulcie is, well, she's a big green dragon. She is voiced by the legendary and excellent Cree, Cree Summer. Summer. Woo! But her, she never has much to do in this show or even the Archie comics. Like, man, <laughs> you want to talk about some of the lowest points in Archie comics? Look up the Dulcie storylines. Woof. We won't get into it here. But she is the one who Sonic and Sally are talking about how you know, Sonic is very distraught and angry about how, you know, if only they could have stopped Robotnik back when he first took uh, power uh, over the, uh, uh, you know, the, the kingdom that Sally's father uh, ran, who, I, again, I think he is just known as the king in Sadam. He would not get a name until the Archie comics. Um, and Sally is like, well, we were only like five years old at the time, Sonic. And he's like, yeah, we were cool, though. Yeah, we were <laughs> we cool. <couldn't> <laughs> <handle it. laughs> it's very silly. We were radical. And then Dulcie just casually mentions that, well, why don't you guys use the time stones on the floating island? Yeah. And my eyeballs shot out of my head because <laughs> I forgot. Is that something from the games you're mentioning on this show? Well, I cannot believe it. But yes, mm. <laughs> kind of, sort of, not really once we get to it. <laughs> it sounds like it, even if you're like, well, time stones are on little planet, not on floating island, but I'll take what I can get at this point. <laughs> yes, I, I think this might be after chronologically the the aforementioned uh, spinball episode of Set AM2. Yeah. <laughs> It still cracks me up to think, wow, the most adaptations in any Sonic media is Sonic Spinball. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, but yeah, he- hearing those names in this show, I completely forgot, really took me by surprise. And um, yeah, since we mentioned, we've already mentioned some voice actors um, that Jaleel White and and Kat Susay as um, Sonic and Sally really do play off each other well. Extremely. And if if I remember correctly, I think Jaleel recorded a lot of his stuff alone. Um, I don't know if there was prelay, but it just really is a testament to also how well these are voice directed, which um, I think most of them, I think most of the series was uh, Jenny McSwain, who... Gosh, I can't even begin to list the credits she has for for voice direction. It is literally hundreds. But I remember thinking that on paper, reading just these these scripts without any performance, a lot of this dialogue is seems very of its time, very silly and might land flat. But because of the direction and cast, it really still holds up fairly well. And I remember seeing that Ginny McSwain was also the director for uh, the original resident evil four. And if you remember the dialogue from that game, it is like (laughs) the pitch perfect, silly action movie. Oh, it's just so good. So I, I definitely, definitely think that that is owed to just the, the expertise of her in this cast. So I definitely want to point that out when we, when we get to it uh, for sure, whenever we can. I also, I want to give further props to Julia white, because I remember some years ago watching an interview of him talking about how he developed the voice for Sonic when he did the voice for the different cartoons. And the thing that stood out most was that he said, if I remember right, he said that, um, he wanted to develop a voice that, a voice that wasn't specifically recognizable for any particular race or or particular ethnicity. He wanted Sonic to, if I remember right, he said that he wanted kids to listen to Sonic and feel like they could be Sonic based on just how he sounded alone. And I think that really comes across in just all the different cartoons that Julia White voiced Sonic as. For sure. Yeah. I, I have a I have a big a much bigger appreciation for his performance now. Just looking back at like the cultural impact and how specifically like American like counterculture at the time would have very much fit right along with like that that like you said that voice that he developed and uh, I think it's I think it's super cool. I I remember I was uh, finally watching the uh, the last few episodes of uh, the the 2017 reboot of DuckTales and Jaleel pops up as a uh, the genie character in a uh, couple episodes. <laughs> yep, Shabui. And it was so interesting that Because he has, I mean, you know, we've already mentioned Sonic Underground where he is, he reprises his role as Sonic and he has done some fan things where it just doesn't sound the same. But the voice that he uses as in DuckTales sounds much more like a a modern adult version of his Sonic voice. And, you know, I'm just saying that like, you know, if, if the stars ever aligned and there was something that he could come back as Sonic that I think he could, he could sound pretty good, but yeah, yeah. Like you said, I, I, I appreciate it so much more now looking back on just everything and not just cause let me tell you, I didn't watch family matters, so I didn't know it was Urkel. I just knew I just read his name in the credits. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was, was never like a a weird contradiction that like the nerdiest character on television at the time was also like the cool Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> I, I watched a ton of Family Matters growing up, and so when I found out like later on that it was Julia White as Sonic, I was like, 
that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, it's closer to, um, what is it? Uh, Stefan Urkel <laughs> in family matters. <laughs> yeah. The cool Urkel. <laughs> just like a little bit more nasally too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, that, that's one of those few nineties American sitcoms that we didn't have over here. So my only context was Sonic the Hedgehog at the time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So Sonic and Sally hop on Dulcie's back because she is a flying dragon uh, <laughs> to go looking for the floating island. And we just basically cut to there are uh, surrounded by a whole bunch of clouds. And th- this is what I was talking about to where like this dialogue plane comes uh, comes off real stilted and silly. But because it's Kat Susie and Cree Summer, it's actually a really funny line where Sally's kind of chastising her. What do you think, Dolls? We're real close now. I can feel it. You've said that 20 times today. (gasps) I saw it! You've said that 20 times, too. So sue me, now it's 21. (laughs) (laughs) And especially because it's Cree Summer, just like, she just has like the perfect amount of sass when she says it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yes. Like, like masters of their craft already. Absolutely. Um, They crash land and... Dulcie is just beat from this, so she decides to take a nap by <laughs> by hanging upside down on a tree like a bat, which I I enjoy very much. <laughs> it's a very good image. <laughs> it's it's pretty cute. I do I do like that little bit that this is. A, well, I was gonna say fire breathing dragons, but then it seems like the only thing the dragons do is inhale a bunch of air and then blow it out. Uh, I wonder if that was a <laughs> was that a standards and practices thing. Fire would be too violent. <laughs> Who knows? I'll have to so the rest fire. of the show to see if there are any fire breathing dragons or whether it's just a Dulcie's family thing. Yeah, because her mom does it later. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I do. I like that little. Yeah, uh, you said a bat. Also, like I thought, possum. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> hanging hanging from her tail upside down. <laughs> but yeah, we do immediately see that this floating island is unfortunately not the Angel Island from the games, but kind of a weird fantasy temple with these um, admittedly cool looking gargoyle guard dogs. Yeah. This is a uh, this is like more of a temple of the ancients than a hidden palace, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I quite like it actually. It's an interesting design. This is, I think, this is where we get our first built-in commercial break because the uh, the gargoyles hop off their platforms and start chasing Sonic and Sally, and the only thing Sonic can think to do is run straight off the island um, because uh, the the gargoyles can't leave the uh, the island and like kind of pop out of existence, probably back to their pedestals and then leave Sonic and Sally just falling to their deaths. And we get a fade out to black as Sonic is whistling and Sally's (laughs) screaming at the top of her. Understandably so. (laughs) Oh boy. And she has like a sarcastic line of, um, Oh, why didn't I think of this? We'll be cool, Sal. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of these moments where she <laughs> assumes Sonic has a follow-up plan and he's like, nope, I got nothing. <laughs> God, remember back in the day when your commercial breaks for cartoons were guaranteed to be like less than less than two minutes, no more than, you know, no more than three or four commercials? Wow. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> we fade back in and Dulcie hears Sonic's whistles and comes in and rescues them, which 
very good. I, I, I also like that uh, it is made very clear that Sonic wasn't sure if that would work or not. <laughs> <laughs> but Dulcie makes another crash landing on the island and uh, bucks off Sonic and Sally straight into the heart of this uh, temple. I feel like this was another cartoon thing where the the easiest like, whoa, this place is weird is just to do MC Escher stairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's either MC Asher stairs or like Salvador Dali melting clocks, you know? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. I am very surprised they didn't go with the melting clocks, honestly. Mm-hmm. Oh, that yeah, was yeah, something to consider. <laughs> <laughs> Given the time, yeah. But actually, you know, I'm, I'm, as we're doing the podcast, I'm also like going through parts of the episode just to make sure I'm refreshed. And there is actually a part uh, around nine and a half minutes in where, um, well, without commercials, <laughs> uh, where there's a couple, there's at least one melted clock. So at least they get that in. But <laughs> okay, but um, yeah, like for the most part, well, good for the, them. They did the stairs. <laughs> well, they hit yep. both those points. Those they cliches, hit both of them. You know? Yep, I remember lots of lots of cartoons of the time doing like, well, we need a weird reference, you know, for weird art, and it was yes, like you said, either Escher or Dolly, which. Hey, you know, uh, get a little culture for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, we get a we get a pretty short sequence of their going. God, maybe it was just me at the time, but the the a pretty technically uh, competent camera rotation here as yeah. they take the stairs, but made me a little dizzy <laughs> trying to follow it. Um, but they they make it to the center of this place and find the keeper of the time stones, who is a very well drawn. Uh, I, I want to say a, a bard, a bard owl, maybe a floating head. Yeah, it's uh, another owl. <laughs> oh yeah. Also, did you notice that it ran on a checkerboard pattern? I know yeah. it's probably not. It just it's uh, anything that reminds me of the games in Saturday throws me for a loop. <laughs> oh, I, I assumed cool. it was like loosely based on like a special stage or something. Perhaps, or maybe it's just I don't know. Probably a coincidence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hate to assume that. I hate to assume like anything that's related to the games is just a coincidence. But it w- it would be fi- it would be fitting to to put this floating head of a barred owl guy in a in a special zone. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, th- this is where our first character voice by Tim Curry. It's this guy. I am keeper of the time stones. To use them, you must solve this riddle. <laughs> and he is the Tim Curryest Tim Curry to ever Tim Curry. <laughs> That's how you draw the distinction between the roles. Let's uh, have him just go full, full ham for this one. <laughs> yeah, legit. I was pumping my fist in the air because we got <laughs> some good, good Tim Curry, which it's interesting because, I mean, I guess I, uh, uh, you know, he is only listed in the credits under additional voices. And I guess, you know, he wouldn't be that big of a like a, a voiceover guy uh until i i guess maybe the nicktoons era where he pops up in wild Thornberries oh, and yeah. a bunch of other stuff but man just a uh an incomparable voice like there is almost nobody he can who can do a tim curry like tim curry and so yep. I'll, I'll take take it anytime i can get it <laughs> <Yep>. even <laughs> Even if it's like, you know, his one-off character in uh, uh, Home Alone 2 talking about a cheese pizza. <laughs> <laughs> or the only place not infected by capitalism. Sprice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, man. 
but he uh so so this guy's whole deal is he is basically he he gives a riddle of the sphinx before sonic and sally can be worthy of of using the time stones and this i think is uh like i mentioned up top is a really good contrast between sonic and sally's personalities where it's not just oh sonic dumb sally smart (laughs) when long i bring boredom when short i bring fear what that's easy. Antoine. I run and run, but cannot flee. Watched yet never see. Who can understand this guy? He talks in riddles. The answer is time. Correct. Sonic is uh, completely uninterested in this riddle, does not want to actually try and figure it out because it's not something active. It's not something he can solve with his physical abilities. And Sally is much more, uh, you know, she is the... um, she is the plan maker. And earlier, she even blames herself for getting their friends roboticized because it was her job to come up with the plan. And yeah. uh, I, I I think this is a really solid moment. And and uh, I think, like you already said, it's simple enough to where maybe the, the target audience of kids could get it too. And like I said, if I, if I had figured it out as a kid, I would have felt so special because <laughs> I was like, wow, I figured it out at the same time Sally did. And- <laughs> Foolish mortals. What do you see answer to this mystery puzzle to find the secret time stones? Is it time? Oh my god, how did you work it out? <laughs> what is black and white and red all over? <laughs> That's right, Shadow the Hedgehog. <laughs> Wait, no, you're not supposed to know that yet. Sorry, time is an, uh, time is all over me. I do, oh, oh no. Oh, I feel so bad for you. All oh, the things I've seen. <laughs> time is a Robbie construct. <laughs> Tell me the f- Eternal is in your future. (laughs) Don't worry, he dies. (laughs) Oh, well, thank goodness. Uh, I I also, I want to say the timekeeper is, um, or the time owl. Is it timekeeper? Is that his name? Who cares? It should be the timekeeper, to be honest. Tim Curry. very good. Time time Curry says. (laughs) uh, (laughs) uh, Time Curry, I got to give props to the character for being very, very generous and patient with the answer. Cause like my, my thought during the whole time, cause like while he's doing the riddle, he has like basically like three sentences uh, of this riddle. Yeah. And like after each sentence, I was just like, uh, duh. and then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just gives these terrible answers. And then, and, and if I was like, I, like if any other media handled it, it would have been like, Sonic would go, oh, done. And she's like, oh, no, you're done. Episode over. <laughs> yeah. no, he's just like, I'm going to ignore that. <laughs> oh, he's a shitty boy. Forget him. He's not taking the assignment seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I do really like his design um, to bring it all back to 90s cartoons. He's like a combination of the... Um, the owl who is like kind of a villain in um, Once Upon a Forest, which is a, a little talking animal movie from around that time, but also uh, Nicodemus from Secret of Nim. Oh, yeah. Uh, again, with our dumb belief. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. But I think I think See, it's, I, w- uh, I was thinking Virgil from Mighty Max personally. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that works, too. I was just thinking that this owl um, looks terrifying. 
<laughs> he is, he's pretty scary. He's a big floating head. Like I said, very detailed in the animation. Like it, you can tell it's a barred owl because they, they went out of their way to like color the, the feathers in and everything. But so, yeah, Sally comes up with the answer. What what the hell are these? Like, <laughs> is this even like multiple stones? It looks more like a mask. Yeah. Yeah. It's like two pieces of a mask that you slot together and... It looks like an owl. Actually, it looks a bit like an owl's face. No, I look at it. Yeah, a little beach. bit. Yeah. It's yeah. Well, I mean, little handles. You know, it, little convenient it, handles. It, it's made of stone, so by a technicality. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do wonder if, like, again, they were just picking terms from <laughs> whatever games that, that were out there, because... Oh, boy. Yep. Definitely not magical jewels like the, the ones from Sonic CD. A very silly moment is that they both, uh, Sonic and Sally, put hands on this thing and say, okay, we need to concentrate on where we want to go. And then straight up drop like the exact year. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. What was it? Yeah. Again? 32, 24. 32, 24. 32, 24. 32, 24. I made a note. <laughs> yep, uh, f- that gives us that, you know, Archie style vibe of, you know, post uh, apocalypse Earth. See, here, here's, a, yes. here's the thing. That was supposedly going to be the backstory like ben hurst had said like at some point you know since they were given no actual backstory their whole backstory they came up with for robotnik and snively or julian snively or whatever is that they were basically uh they were astronauts from the year 2200 or thereabouts and they had like attempted to take over the space colony they were on but things went out of control and uh, they escaped, but because of relativity when traveling through space, uh, they end up in the future after nuclear annihilation has wiped out all of humanity and the animals have evolved in the thousands of years since. And so oh. that's why they decide to take over. That would have been cool to know in the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Tim Burton would steal that for his shitty Planet of the Apes remake. Oh <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I know we've mentioned that and I'll I'll link it in the show notes. But yeah, there are lots of uh, these these interviews with um, Ben Hurst archived on uh, Saturday morning Sonic dot com um, and which I'm amazed is still up like God bless the people that keeping that up because that is where a lot of this comes from. And it's, a, it's a very nice resource. So um yeah, go go read lots of lots of more stuff on like the history of of Sat AM and all that stuff. Yeah, not only we we get a we get a year drop, but yes, they they want to be taken to the the fountain in Mobitropolis in the year thirty two twenty four. You know, kind of comes back to bite them later, where they don't specify an actual day. But hey, <laughs> that's coming up. Um, but they do manage to do this, even though Sonic can't help himself and is thinking about chili dogs right before they blip out of existence i would expect nothing less they end up at the fountain and this is where the good swat bots greet them after their trip through the uh the time warp let's all do the time warp um <laughs> hey tim curry oh yeah that's true yeah. <laughs> uh they they end up at the the time that they want to at least we think we do some uh some very nice looking swat bots come by but of course you know uh mental trauma and readiness and awareness as <laughs> sonic ready to dash away but uh, the swap bots come by and they just say, hello, citizens. Thanks for being here. Zip. So they, Sonic and Sally are getting used to the fact that, oh, yeah, this is the past. This is Mobotropolis. And first thing they do is Sonic finds a chili dog stand, his favorite one, and gets himself a chili dog. A couple of chili dogs, actually. Can I just say the design of Mobotropolis? Like, 
it's it's basic level design stuff, but I do like that you know the the contrast between Robotropolis and Mobotropolis is just it's yeah. so clear. It's very good. <laughs> yes, one's dark, one's light, and, and it's really like your sort of like Edenian paradise future world. It's a good <laughs> like Mobotropolis is good future essentially, but yes. with less of the sciencey oh. stuff. Yes, yep. I was I was about to say that I love that it does, and I'm sure it's not intentional, but it does echo like some of the good futures in Sonic CD where. Mobotropolis is more of like a technological utopia. And I, I love that they established that the the SWAT bots were not like something that came about after created by Robotnik as like his security force, that they were like the built-in um, you know, security force for Mobotropolis and were like a force for good. And uh they kind of they explain it that um later when we introduce uh, you know, Julian, the minister of science, who would be Robotnik, is that he is specifically reprogramming them to only serve him and um to hop on the radical left highway that's why any attempt to disarm the workers must be frustrated by force if necessary <laughs> but no i do <laughs> i do sincerely <laughs> i do sincerely love that detail that uh that they already existed like as a force working with the people and not like a you know, the oppressive SWAT bots that they would become. Yeah. Honestly, when you get down to it, a lot of Robotniks, like, most infamous tools were co-opted from other creators. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say how I like this chili dog stand, because I think this guy is, I think this guy is in other episodes as well, this this pig gentleman who is serving chili dogs. I think he does escape to not hole, but it, I mean, come on, it's it's funny, man. It's the, the pig serving out hot dogs. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's actually, I think I remember him being in another episode doing a chili dog stand again, like in some underground cave society. Yeah, that's the Ari episode, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it, oh, is it Ari or is it the Griff episode? It might be Griff. No, yes. you're right, Griff. I'm getting my I'm getting my annoying um, animal character, male animal <laughs> characters mixed up. Yep, because I remember he. I don't think he has uh, any few lines here, but in that episode, he has a like, I'm a pig voice. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I also, uh, before we get to some of the more revelatory stuff, there's also right after. Uh, Sonic like gets his two chili dogs. Sally pulls them behind some trash cans because. Here we go. We see kid versions of Sonic and Sally and uh, me seeing this episode. I actually remembered that I had seen a long time ago, but it has been a long time. And so I didn't remember everything. <laughs> so looking at this again, like for me personally, I just thought it was cool that Sonic and Sally have like not only known each other, but like been bickering friends, like since they were very, very little. <laughs> and yeah, I, I don't I just I like that. It's it's a cool thing to me. Two doggies with the works, pal. Sonic, that's your third one today. Yeah, I'm really lucky. That is disgusting. Nuh-uh. Cool. Disgusting. Uh. Cool. Double disgusting. Ah, triple cool. E equals MC squared disgusting. A zillion, trillion, jillion times cool. Oh, yeah. Some things never change. I, I I did say that it, maybe it's just my own personal taste that, that I didn't really care for this introduction because, yes, they spend like the next 
30, 45 seconds having like a funny Sonic, you know, Sonic's a gross little kid, you know, little boy and Sally is telling him how gross he is. But I, it is, uh, like you said, it is pretty cool that these are two actual child actors and this is a Taj Maori as young Sonic who, um, <laughs> Yeah, I would get his. Br- <laughs> okay, y'all are gonna have to tell me what smart guy is because I didn't see it. But I know <laughs> I remember him as Wade, the uh, the cool techno guy. Uh, you know the 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 oracle on the line for Kim Possible, which is a super. Cool oh, I didn't know he w- he played Wade. That's awesome. Yeah, I just remember him from Sister Sister, I think, because he was he was a little kid who was always trying to hit on Tia Tamara. I just remember <laughs> smart guy the most because that was where he was the lead. So, yeah. and you know, no, not that Urkel, I was going to say Urkel isn't the lead of Family Matters, but he kind of ended up being that way. So. Yeah. Well, he was introduced as a side character. He, t- he took over. <laughs> yeah. so there's, there's some similarities and parallels here. I like yeah. it. For those, for those of you who were born after the show ended in 1999, which again, making us feel ancient, Smart Guy was a, Smart Guy was a show about a 10 year old who went to high school because he was a kid genius. Yeah. Uh, okay. So like a, um. Uh, a doogie hauser type a little bit yeah and then this is uh lindsey ridgeway who also went on to have a a very uh uh you know a, a very successful voiceover career etc etc um but it stung out th- uh stuck out to me that um god not too long after this she would be darla dimple in cats don't dance which Talk about a talk about a hidden gem. I think that a, a lot of people haven't seen that. That even when I was growing up, that that was a man. Have you seen Cats Don't Dance? I think um another uh Lauren Faust joint to yep. where she she did lots of uh, animation. Oh, cool. One. But yeah, Darla Dimple is again what a great performance in that movie. So yes, even though I think it's a little grating for me personally, this you know these little Sonic and Sally. I guess a lot of it is just like I am never big on seeing our established characters as little kids. Um, Archie Comics really loved it for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, I was going to say that we got multiple uh, special comics that's just Sonic Kids using the almost like these exact designs as well. And I mean, it's not terrible. Like, um, you know, we never get into like Star Wars prequel level of explaining literally everything that has ever happened to our characters, <laughs> but it's it's fine. I I am f- realizing that that is just a personal thing for me that these these young Sonic and Sally are okay. <laughs> yeah. Can I just take a quick moment to acknowledge the design going on with young Sally? Uh, it's not the uh, typical princess design uh, outfit you would expect from her. It's almost a little. I hate to say it, but to use this as my point of reference, but Princess Jasmine. I was going to say because that. that was that time period. Uh, little, yeah. Mid- what would you call that exactly? Um, um yeah, because she has the big long braid instead of her her hair down like she has has when she's older. And yeah, this is an outfit that carried over into Archie comics. I remember the whole backstory of um, we learned that she used to visit the floating island with her dad and like actually has a friendship with Knuckles as well in the comics. But yeah, yeah it's like a. I, I think you're right on the money that this is a, pr- a Princess Jasmine type outfit, like. You know, it doesn't really fit with any other Mobian <laughs> fashion it is we've a bit seen. Of an Arabian princess sort of thing, and yeah, it's why it stands out for me is because I don't get that vibe from King Acorn at all. No, <laughs> that's a that is a 
I mean, it's a pretty Western king, right? <laughs> That's what's going on with that. Yeah. We'll get to him, yeah. but yeah. It yeah. Did, it's an interesting choice. Well, this is this is ABC's Sonic the Hedgehog, so maybe Sally was watching Aladdin one day and said, Daddy, I want to look like her. <laughs> Bro, let me tell you, I used to be obsessed with that Aladdin TV show. Oh, me man, too. yes. Me too. Hours of it taped off of the... the this is back when, okay... To, to do a, a little time warp of our own. <laughs> Back in the 90s, um, the Disney Channel had no commercials and was a extra channel that you would call your cable company up and say, I want the Disney Channel. And you would pay, you know, a couple bucks extra. But they would do um, free previews of the Disney Channel where for, I want to say, like a week solid that you could get the Disney Channel. And what that meant is my mom would pop in VHS tapes and just record <laughs> 24 hours, of, you know, at a time of Disney Channel. Your mom rocks. And so... <laughs> I know that Aladdin also used to air on, I think it was our local like WJTC affiliate, but I remember following along with like the entire Aladdin animated series, which I couldn't tell you if it holds up, um, and, but like getting all the lore. So I knew all those villains and <laughs> all the, 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 the drama that they would put those characters in and man, I, I really liked that show. <laughs> I, I, I did too. The important thing is Gilbert Gottfried was still was still yes. Yago and was a recurring cast <laughs> yes. member. Like maybe obviously not gonna get Robin Williams as Genie. Dan Castan Lametta works. But come on. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, hey, they got it's. I believe it's Aladdin and Jasmine from the movie because I think they weren't. They were Everybody from the movie the came time. back except Robin Williams. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure Jafar shows up at least once in the show, and it's uh, the Return of Jafar. Well, I know in Return of Jafar, did he not show up in the show as well? I feel like there might have been one episode. Not in the show proper, but he did show up in that Hercules Aladdin crossover. That episode. was it. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> and of course they brought the guy back because he's he loves being Jafar. Oh yeah. Like oh, he, yeah. he even played Jafar in the Broadway run. Yep, oh, that's yep, awesome. Yep. So oh good. my god, you're right. <laughs> yep. God. Did, didn't even uh Jason Alexander's Abyss Mall show up in the show a few times? Yes. Oh my goodness. God, I think people forget how you know, people like to shit on, rightfully so, a lot of the direct-to-video Disney sequels. But the, those Aladdin ones are pretty out there, man. <laughs> In a good way. They're all right. Oh, boy. 90s cartoons. Like Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> we do also get the reveal that, you know, as they are meeting up with young Uncle Chuck and uh, filling him in, he reveals, oh, yeah, no, I created the Roboticizer. Whoops. Robotic calls it. The roboticizer, I know. I invented it. Whoa, Wonk! You invented it? It was supposed to help older people live longer, but it changed them, took away their will, so I destroyed it. Then how did Robotnik files transfer to War Ministry? Julian stole them. Yeah, that was wild. <laughs> yep, another thing that that carries forward into uh, Archie comics. That yep. yeah, that that Uncle, uh, you know, Sir Charles is the one that came up with the original concept to help. It's it's pretty heavy to to literally help. I think he says in the show to help older people live longer. But yeah, you could imagine like people with you know. Uh, uh, physical physical problems or injuries. Yeah, like, sure. Like, just just. I, I believe at least in like New Two Fifty Two era, that's explicitly what it was originally created for to create you know synthetic limbs and organs and everything else to. Yeah. 
you know, assist people with the. I think there, I think there might even be a, I can't remember if it was related to in game. I remember it was a Speziente uh, page, but it's specifically Sonic's dad in the Archie comics who was uh, severely injured in the great Mobian overlander war. Um, but was one of the first subjects to uh, have the roboticizer tried out. And that's where it all went wrong. And he was fully roboticized. And it was like, such a uh it was it was something that that uncle chuck carried with him for like the rest of his days like he felt responsible for everything that came after that um but yeah it was it was cool to to see that that kind of originated here and uh i love this version of uncle chuck yeah. um he's he's much more um oh god this is really gonna date me he's like a more gruff um uh mr whitaker from <laughs> the adventures in odyssey oh, god. <laughs> now that's I, a rabbit hole we I, cannot go down no, but <laughs> I, I can hear it though <laughs> i i much prefer this like gruff uh two packs a day uncle two chuck than like the 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 you know the silly hey there shiny boy we get in a sonic underground that's maurice lamarche right <laughs> i think it is yeah 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 no offense to maurice lamarche like it's uh what's his name william windham is uncle chuck i always thought that his vocal performance reminds me a lot of like richard mcgonagall as sully in the uncharted games like there's no yeah. difference in my mind yeah I, I like to uh, I like to project uh, this version of Uncle Chuck onto Grandpa Chuck from Sonic X. <laughs> oh yeah, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> when you see Sir Charles in his Mobian form, so to speak, he, it becomes all the more clear that yeah, this is he's a recolor of Sonic with a mustache and funky shoes, uh, and and as a result, he stands out amongst all the other. Uh, say differently designed Mobian characters throughout this show. There's a bit of an inconsistent um, uh, style between a lot of these uh, NPCs, if you will. The more traditional animal kind of characters. This is, I think this is also where they try, uh, present Sonic and Sally are trying to explain like what is going to happen to Uncle Chuck while also uh disguising themselves from their younger selves uh, i think sonic calls himself juice yep. which real creative there sonic <laughs> just take one of your catchphrases but sally uh picks her middle name which is alicia which uh, again sorry just all of this uh mixing with my archie archie comic past was uh her middle name in that comic and also ends up being the name of her mother i right. believe yes alicia acorn um, but yeah, they're trying desperately to say that you can't trust uh, uh, Robotnik, who is calling himself, uh, yeah, Julian, and uh, at this time, uh, even though he's uh, basically infiltrated the kingdom, um, trying to to bring up, uh, yeah, I think the king dubs him like the Ministry of Science because he's always just brought so many improvements to like the robots and the technology of Mobotropolis. But yeah, he's Robotnik, and so it's all... Uh, it's all a it's, ruse. it's all... Yes, he's setting up... He literally says, like, he's setting up the coup to take over the whole city and then the planet. I, I love your idea to, to abolish the military. That's, that's, that's going to work out really well for us. Yeah, why would we need it, <laughs> uh, you know, in this time of perpetual peace? And, it's true, oh, but it also <laughs> feels really on the nose, like, let's get rid of all the defenses. That sounds yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. What? 
<laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> and for our entirely programmable military, let's leave it in one man's hands. Nothing can go wrong. Uh, yes. Yeah, this man I think with this is... suspiciously black and red yeah, eyes. I was say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure all humans look like that. <laughs> I mean, I have no frame of reference. Not from so. that snivelly fellow. He seems a bit odd. I do love his hair, though. Yeah. It's a little f***ed up, but who am I to judge? <laughs> I won't make cultural assumptions. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, th I think this is also where we literally get where, yeah, the king leaves and Robotnik immediately grabs Snively and explains his whole plan. Why are we voice activating Uncle Julian? We hunt. From now on, everything will answer only to my voice. Do you know what that means, Snively? No, Uncle Julian. It means you call me Sir. Yes, sir. From now on, Snively, <laughs> you do exactly what I say. Yes, sir. Apparently up to this point, he's been working with Snively, which does he call him his nephew at this point? To where we also establish that, that they so. are... Well, he's still calling him Uncle Julian, right? So, yes, yes, yes. And this is Snively with his beautiful head of hair. <laughs> but yeah, obviously uh, uh, turns heel on Snively to where he grabs him by his uh, collar and says that, uh, you know, all these robots uh, will now only answer to my voice print and mine alone. Uh, basically, like immediately setting uh in stone that snively is never going to be more than a lackey to robotnik going forward oh i should have known mother always told me not to trust you <laughs> just like to think there's some sort of like weird familial oh, thing going gosh on. but we yeah. all this stuff to all we can do is infer because we never really get into the character relationships in this just, but if we get yeah. into archie <laughs> yes <laughs> Oh man, that just made me think of Robotnik as a sibling. Like, wow, that I would love to see that family tree. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's another thing that like not even um yeah, Archie didn't even get into it until post uh Dr. Eggman to where I think some of his family comes back down like in their spaceship and are like, you know, oh, you know, Julian, how have you been? And he's like, uh, that ain't me, you know, go f yourself <laughs> and roboticizes all of them into horrible statues. <laughs> Don't remind me of that character design, Luke. Is that Colin? Is that Colin yes. Kintober? Yes. <laughs> now, for the audience who can't see this oh image that Luke has chased it into the chat, this is an interesting-ass character design we see here of uh, this family member of the Kintober family. Oh, what's going on with his hair? It's a bald man with a bad toupee. It's Android 16 before he started lifting, I guess. He <laughs> started, started playing hair gel, I guess. Dunkin' Gokus. Uh, yeah, Dunkin' Gokus. Shout, right, out, yeah. shout out to Life Arrow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, anyway, that I mean, that about wraps up this episode, because uh, yeah. as we are seeing this, which uh, we didn't mention, I mean, I hope it goes without saying that Charlie Adler and Jim Cummings as Snively and Robotnik are just uh, they're also great. Yeah. It's, it's iconic performances. We don't even need to get into it. Well, we do a little bit, I think, because like we spent as much time talking about Long John Baldry as the AOSTH Robotnik. <laughs> yes. We need to give we need to give Jim Cummings his flowers. Here. Yes. Uh, not that Robotnik wouldn't appreciate those flowers since he hates everything that is resulted, <laughs> yeah. that related to nature. 
I wanted uh, to be uh, more delicate than I think I described earlier that Robotnik always sounds like he's on the verge of creaming his jeans <laughs> in this performance, which isn't bad, but it's, it, it, I mean, like I said, it sticks in my mind. Yeah. When I think of Sad AM Robotnik, I think <gasps> of, th- yes, that. <gasps> I, I was, oh, that's very cool. It's sniffly. It's very cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really weird. Um, I love this performance. It is like, pure, if you accept it as a pure ham, as you put it, Captain Planet villain who loves pollution and, and loves machines and things and is yes. just a, a sadist who enjoys the suffering of others, it's fine. But if you try to, like, with how serious the show is sometimes, if you try to accept this character as anything beyond that, like, if there's any explanation for why he's doing this other than the fact that he's an asshole <laughs> who wants supreme power, I guess, that's, you're, you're just going to be left guessing. Yes. And that's fine for, like, <laughs> Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog Robotnik where he's just a big silly stupid man who's a narcissist and he's just like I'm Moby and I will take over he's got a big funny butt yeah <laughs> a big funny this butt. guy um, this guy like there's no we don't know what his actual intentions or backstory is other than he just wants to take over so there's no like big build to this like we know he's taking over but as part of me almost wanted to see a bit more reasoning as to why he hates the king so much and why he's doing all this and because the, the the moment he steps out of his like they crash his big destroyer ship or whatever it is into like the throne room and he comes out and he's like call me Robotnik and he's already dressed in his weird red uh, what do you call it target gear tactical <laughs> <laughs> on him his bullseye he's got the big bullseye like American yeah. Robotnik had <laughs> yeah don't don't get me wrong I think the era of Archie comics where it comes out of is also pretty close to some of the, the dumbest bull crap, but they do kind of flesh out his motivations as to where he was literally uh, like about to be arrested for like crimes against humanity because he was a scientist with the, the humans, the overlanders. And he ran away, you know, basically saying like, Oh, those stupid fools just don't get it. And then when he got uh, picked up by, um, you know, King acorn and he immediately saw like, you know, Oh, I can, you know, put all of my machinations to work with this kingdom because they're so trusting and, you know, pure good and so he had a little bit more of a motivation of to where his own kingdom like wasn't gonna let him get away with it and so he infiltrated this one to to take over i just think there's a version of this maybe made like after the 90s well we really get into that stuff and have like an interesting version of robotnik that sort of like lives up to how scene stealing and like, great he is like, yeah. like he's a fun, yes. he's a great presence but i just wanted there to be a bit more substance behind him but i'm just over criticizing this 90s cartoon <laughs> i just think it could be better at times you know you're not wrong because lots of people do like to put forward as like this is my robotnik the pure evil guy and then you asked to like for any details like yeah but why is he evil like i don't know he has a cool voice filter on <laughs> true he does but yeah. you know <laughs> i i'm i i'm ent- i'm very entertained by it and just you know for, for what the show as- aspires to be and for what how people like build it up you'd think there was more to it 
but I'm just being a big fussy person. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, considering I love STC, where Robotnik is just evil because he's <laughs> because he absorbed evil emerald power. <laughs> But at least they gave us a reason for that. Yeah. And, re- and reshaped his image within a giant rotten egg. <laughs> yeah, true. That makes sense to me. Yeah, yes. <laughs> no, you are right, because I another one that sticks in my head is the um uh the silly little episode where Antoine tries to capture Robotnik to show that he's uh, you know, he's better than Sonic. And you've got a great moment where um uh he's explaining all this to, you know, Robotnik. He he dug a pit that he fell in and said, like I will be a large hero and win the hand of the princess. A nice dream, but dreams are meant to be broken. 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 <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what you're talking about to where oh he's just so bad. And you know you don't need a reason. It's it's okay. <laughs> You don't need it. Just maybe when we get into these backstory episodes, you almost expect one. I guess. But that's about it. You know, it's... I still enjoy this. Um, Before we move... Oh, sorry, you were saying... (laughs) Oh, I was just going to say, to give Charlie Adler his due, he is also fantastic as Snively. This is another... Talk about an actor that, again, can craft just unforgettable, um, almost uncopyable performances is a Mr. Charlie Adler. (laughs) For sure. Because you can hear a little bit of Buster Bunny, a little bit of cow from Cow and Chicken in there. A little bit of Ickes. Yes, Ickes especially. And the way Snively just goes up and down. And and I I, I really love it. But I did want to point out like the whole when, uh, before Robotnik invades, uh, King Acorn actually recognizes it's Sally and Oh, she has the royal signet, which she has How worn convenient. this whole time. Trust us. <laughs> and also, there he he has her say the uh, the family credo, which is well, it's so super secret. It's to rule with honor. Julian plotting against the throne. A serious allegation, Sir Charles. I assume you have proof. Your Majesty, Daddy, it's me, Sir Charles. This will be hard to believe, Your Majesty, but she's come from the future. The future? Sally? Yes, Daddy? The Royal Signet. What is our secret family credo? To rule with honor. Sally! It is you. <laughs> yeah. But okay. You know something. Okay. Like, there must be Sally. No one else could have possibly. Some royalist really up their own ass here. <laughs> uh, but no, that was like, there. there's a couple of these moments where it's, it is like a, wow, how convenient. <laughs> there's a couple of those moments in the second episode too. <laughs> but it's yep. the performance, let's be honest. It yeah. works. Oh yeah. <laughs> If we already didn't mention it, Tim Curry is also playing the king. Not not King Acorn, not Maximilian, not Nigel. He's just the king. Yeah, it's, Nigel it's, Thornberry. It's a very it's it's a it's a very naturalistic. Um, I, you really do get the sense he has a very warm, fatherly quality, and I I really appreciate that here. Mentioned it before. A nice contrast to uh, most of Archie Sonic King Acorn, who is just a real motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hate that guy oh, don't we all <laughs> they're trying so hard to warn everyone they can sir charles the king 
<laughs> you know, if only they have thought to come a day before Robotnik's coup yeah. happened yes. and not the exact hour. <laughs> and, oh, boy. And the matter is further complicated when, as all this is happening, you know, Sir Charles has already reached out to Rosie, the nanny of all of these little kid freedom fighter, future freedom fighters, be like, if, you know, you notice anything strange, just take the kids to not hole and everything. And, of course, the kids are like, there's something going on. We should find out for ourselves because we're young and, you know, kid power and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was another 90s thing. Like, <laughs> kids are awesome. They could do anything. Like, oh, no. They got caught. Maybe you should... <laughs> No. <laughs> yes. I, I think, yeah. Is this not the, the, one of the first things that Sally realizes that they have changed, uh, uh, by interfering with the past yes. is that the, uh, yeah, which <laughs> I, I think this is also where we get a very, uh, Saturday morning explanation of, uh, Hey, if those kids die, we will die. <laughs> it sounds like we won't exist. Won't exist. You mean like you're not alive and kicking? Precisely. Oh, very uncool. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, he does say something real stupid like that, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, right as, right as this is uh, uh, happening where they're realizing, uh-oh, th- things are changing. We're trying to warn the king, uh, but here is where Robotnik bursts in with his, uh, his entourage. And I think you already said, he says, Welcome to Robotropolis, the capital of my kingdom. <laughs> to be continued. Da, da, da. <laughs> Blue streak speeds by. Next episode start. <laughs> I, 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 I can't remember if I mentioned I, I watched these on my Shout Factory DVD set, which is very nice. I remember when they announced this way back when. I think, God, I think this was bef- right before I was in college. Um, but they announced that they were, uh, uh, asking people to like submit, um, their Sonic fan art to be featured on the packaging. And I, if I remember correctly, I think everyone's properly credited either on the discs or in like the, the insert. So good for them. And I even recognize a few pages like I had in my old, uh, DeviantArt favorites. Um, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention that the, the front cover for some reason, God only knows <laughs> was illustrated by Mr. Ken Penders, ah! you know, the creator of Sonic and Sally. <laughs> no, yeah, well, the guy who had nothing directly to do with Sat AM, but was working on the comics at the time. Uh, and it looks like sh- it's terrible. Uh, this is another one that I hope Discotech uh, does a re-release like they did Adventures. Um, I, I'm sure they wouldn't be able to keep like all the fan art. I wonder like what the, <laughs> you know, a modern day licensors nightmare that would be. But at least we'd get different cover art, I'm sure. <laughs> well, we've got different cover art over here. Uh, so we don't have to look at the Kempenders art. But what we did get was, and here's time to share an image that the audience can't see, but please, 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 trust please, me, please. it's good. This is our one. It's actually the prototype oh. Adventures Sonic. Oh. Wow. Hmm. That's, well, um, an effort was made. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Someone definitely really drew it. Yeah. That, that is a uh, current Rock the Jake's drawing skill level. <laughs> actually, that's better than current Rock the Jake's drawing skill level. 
I mean, it's it's yep. just it's an airbrushed. It's like a redrawn. Uh, it's practically traced an airbrushed image of that. Yeah, that old Sonic art from the cartoon that never was, essentially. Yeah, where Sonic is really big. It's like if he went to China to a bootleg market and bought the DVD. <laughs> yes, the Obama the Hedgehog backpack. <laughs> I, you know, thinking back, it's probably about the same quality as those VHS covers that were also around at that same time. Of you know, probably an overworked artist who had a deadline and <laughs> wasn't given any context of what they were doing. I, I would prefer that to, yeah, just the, the, the cavalcade of horrors that is the Ken Penders cover. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. The, <laughs> that, that's what that's the icon it has on Tubi right now. Tubi, yeah. That was uh, it. Yeah. So what we're looking at here, that's the that's adventures of it's the adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog logo, uh, modern Sonic Adventure stock art um, Eggman, and uh, stock art classic Sonic. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, and and a, a some kind of background. <laughs> like an- it's pretty surrealist, so it gives me that AOSTH vibe a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit swirly. It, it looks like a Earthbound a fighting garish. screen. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> I think we did also forgot to mention that uh like adventures, these episodes are all on YouTube officially from Wild yep. Brain. Yeah, that's how I watched it. The current licensors. Um and yeah, that's probably the best way to watch them if you don't have those out of print DVDs. Um so go for it. It's an acceptable quality. <laughs> yep. Acceptable. So we get into part two. <laughs> we get into part two <laughs> proper. Um, we do. We had like the tiny little recap of what happened last episode, uh, and then we get into the crisis situation. Uh, King, well, I was gonna say King Acorn, but just King <laughs> uh, is yeah. having a hard time believing it. But hey, sorry, it's happening. Oh no, this is happening. <laughs> he 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 tries his best to put on a brave face, saying, "You know, you won't get away with us, Julian." <laughs> You can't win this, Julian. The name is no longer Julian. From this day forward, I am Robotnik. Uh, and then Uncle Chuck shows just how smart and cool he is by pulling out some sort of turn them off electro daggers and throwing them at the swap pods. <laughs> He's sort of like science fiction cute. Yeah, basically. Like, just throws at them and Antennas. makes them turn red. <laughs> Yeah, isn't this where they they develop the two prong plan of we got to shut down the roboticizer, but also take out Robotnik's airship, which is magically transforming everything into Robotropolis oh gosh, yeah. polluted. Yeah, I, I made a note about like, wow, he, Robotnik sure made everything awful very, very fast. <laughs> Yeah, and I think this is where, I mean, this is where we get the ultimate, like you've already talked about, where Robotnik literally takes a big deep breath in and is like, Taste that polluted air, Snively. Isn't it marvelous? Yep. (laughs) It's like, okay, this is his one motivation. (laughs) He loves... He loves killing nature and he's a big old garbage boy stink man. <laughs> <That's not strange. laughs> Robotic is very horny for pollution and killing animals. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Sorry. I'm just looking back at the scene you just mentioned where the, the destroyer is going around and doing this and instantaneously turning like this big ziggurat tower that was the uh, royal what is it, the royal court or wherever it was the king was staying into the the strange yeah. uh monstrous 
monstrous Easter egg thing that was Robotnik's base instantaneously. I don't know if this is meant to be something that happens instantly because there is a slight fade, but it's happening at the speed it happened in the like the the opening. Yes. And I thought that was supposed to be metaphorical, but I guess it's almost literal <laughs> in this case. Well, I mean, it might be like a hey, they're working with the budget they got. But yeah. I mean, did we just did we just figure out Robotnik's whole motivation? Does he have a corruption kink? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> does that, does that explain everything? We so can't far? help but make it like some Freudian thing. Have you listened to the man the way talk? Jim Cummings delivers his lines, and there's nothing else to draw on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we got it. We wrapped it up. <laughs> lord but yeah this is where uh a present sonic and sally realize that robotnik's airship is yes destroying everything it touches and also that the their kid versions and also the rest of the the kid freedom fighters the sonic kids um (laughs) have been captured and are awaiting robot robot oh god robot (laughs) Roboticization. i can't say <laughs> it it did vary to be fair the process the pronunciation like varies i think i've heard roboticization robotization ro- uh, yeah I, i'm pretty sure they use the word robotization in this episode robotussin yeah well they're they're gonna get thrown in the roboticizer which yeah. would be very bad so they they realize they need to form a two-pronged attack where they need to shut down the roboticizer or destroy it uh, in the best case scenario and also take out this airship. But I think this is where um, Sally busts out Nicole, who uh, not in this show, but would go on to an Archie to become a cool character uh, in, in her, in her own right. Um, And Nicole says that her, her current, uh, you know, power can only shut down the roboticizer for about two hours, which should give them enough time to take out the airship and then circle back around to, to rescue the kids. I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that it's Capsusi playing Nicole, right? Like, yes, it's yes. just Capsusi doing like Sally's ASMR voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Uh, it's it's real good though i always like nicole and i think she even uh uh oh yeah this is we get another like goofy sonic moment where he he really does just say the in plain english please and she repeats it back (laughs) to him real sarcastically nicole can we shut down the roboticizer available power insufficient sally damage analysis Loss of power amplifiers and sequential systems processors. Nicole, in English. In plain English. We can shut it down for about two hours, Sonic. There's also, uh, speaking of vocal performances, I want to mention a a moment in the scene before this one where uh, right before Robotnik says the words, it's showtime, he has a a very quiet, subtle laugh that... It just sounds so goofy. And when I first heard it, I busted out laughing and I had to pause because I, I could not stop laughing. It's just like, it's just like. <laughs> I do like how after they escape, there's a scene where Snively's like. Two prisoners escaped from the cell, sir. One, a very fast blue hedgehog. Blue Hedgehog? Ah, nothing to fret about. Yeah, that's the, that's the same scene with the, uh, the subtle <laughs> Oh, if he only knew, folks. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Tee-hee. 
Uh, it is interesting because I saw Bunny was on the table ready to undergo the procedure. You know, they managed to get it in time so that she doesn't get affected. But I thought for sure this was going to be the moment where Bunny gets partly roboticized before they managed to stop the Yeah, process. I thought so too. Like it, I was waiting for it to happen the yeah. whole episode, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I am surprised that she managed to make it out totally unscathed. I'm guessing it happened at a different time then in the in the timeline. I don't recall if we ever get it in Sat AM. That was another like uh, uh that was another Archie thing where God, that's one of the I want to say one of the first issues where they meet Bunny and she gets tossed into one of the the mobile uh, uh roboticizers and Sonic breaks it uh but not in time before she gets her you know her partial transformation. That was the one that wants on Mega Collection. It's also in the uh, prototype version of the opening sequence. If you've ever seen like the animatic for that, oh, yeah, you see her again oh, roboticized yeah, in that, yeah. and, like this massive, uh, this mass roboticizer that Robotnik's bringing out. I, w- I wonder if that was just a, uh, you know, that was just an episode that never came to be. Um, but that would have been real nice to see, see fully animated. Do you know what isn't nice though? Seeing this small child strapped to like a surgery yeah. table, because the roboticizer mm. never looks like this at any other point. It makes it makes it worse. It doesn't even look like this later in the episode. Yeah, they're yeah, right. it does change. It's almost like Robotnik just did this personally. It's like he's carrying out an operation. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> and '90s cartoons, children in real peril. <laughs> oh, even the younglings. Oh god! <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think this is also where uh, right after they they shut it down is uh, oh yeah, uh, Sally not only shuts it down but also downloads the original plans for the roboticizer, which is another thing that is changed uh, changed in the yep. future. Um, and they get confronted by Snively, and he's you know what are you doing in here? And Sonic teases him and says, "Enjoy your hair while it lasts," and then speeds off at such a rate that. The the vacuum from his presence uh, tears out all of Snively's beautiful Poor hair. Which, <laughs> <No>. Ouch. <laughs> yes. Funny moment. Um, I don't know if this is him changing the timeline, because I like to believe the originally the reason he lost all his hair is out of stress from uh, serving under Robotnik. <laughs> So, yep. uh, but no, now I guess it's just this, this one moment. Yep. And, th- and that's where Snively like, uh, vows revenge against Sonic. Yep, <laughs> which I guess carries over into the cliffhanger ending of the series where he takes over for Robotnik. This is for my hair! <laughs> and I'm not alone! And he pulls out like a wig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is my wig, Nogus. <laughs> <laughs> On their on their way out to uh, intercept the airship, they also rescue um, uh, Dulcie's mother, um, who's been cornered by some uh, SWAT bots in an alley. Uh, I think Savina is her name. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is <laughs> another character who gets no lines, just some, uh, I can't even tell if it's a, a human person making these dragon shrieking noises. <laughs> But yeah, we we also realized that this is uh, little Dulcie is um, uh, cowering in her mother's uh, pouch. So I guess uh, dragons are some kind of marsupial in this uh, universe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dragons are just are just kangaroos with wings. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we have established that she hangs upside down by her tail. So that's... yeah, like an opossum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, sure, why not? And this is also where you know we see the the emotional end, at least until uh, a later episodes of 
uh, the end of The King where Robotnik tosses him into the void. No matter how long it takes, Julian, I will stop you. Courageous words, sire. But where you're going, that won't be possible. <laughs> Open the void. Impressive, don't you think? Be sure to give Nargus my regards. He's the sorcerer who invented it, and, uh, your new neighbor. Safe journey, sire. You'll regret this, Julian! You'll regret Name drops a Nogus who say hello to Nogus for yeah, me. I, I do remember specifically because I did not see these episodes when they aired, but there was a a you know a sonic web ring with websites that had uh, wave files and clips from this episode. So this was one of the only ones I knew of like what the king sounded like was him getting tossed into the void. <laughs> You'll regret this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So after uh, Robotnik tosses the king into the the void, <laughs> um, Sally directs Sonic to go to the uh, the Great Forest where Not Hole is, I guess. Yes, the Great Forest <laughs> uh, to the uh, the sliding tree, and Sonic is at first apprehensive about it. But as the ship starts coming up, we get to see which I, I'm glad we actually get to talk about it now. the uh, The way that rings work in this uh, in this series and in this episode, which I've me personally, from the episodes of Saturday and I have seen, because I haven't seen the whole series, but I, I actually really enjoy how rings work in this series. Like, I like that they're just, you only need one. It's like a super power up um, because Sonic pulls one out of his backpack that he's had the entire time. And <laughs> well, technically speaking, you only need one in the games as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. all you have to survive. But it doesn't give you superpowers like this. The the fascinating thing is this gets carried forward into Sonic X. It yeah, does. Yeah. To say, yeah. This is exactly how they work in Sonic X as a MacGuffin to give Sonic a, a power up for a you know a pivotal moment in the uh in the episode. And that that kind of blew my mind back then and still now. I'm like, yeah, well, okay, that's kind of cool. Because what what else what do you do with the rings? Like you said, in the games, it is your health. Like as long as you have one, you cannot die. But you know, you you can't really transfer that exact mechanic into a uh, you know a TV show. So yeah, gi giving a, a a boost of power uh, uh, works really well. But yeah, like you said, he he uses this ring. We get a really cool animated flourish, and then Sally grabs on, and they zip upwards into the uh the great slide that will eventually lead to the secret knothole village and up into the sky right above robotnik's destroyer and uh as they're falling sonic activates what are they the anti-gravity things yeah, uh, this is something just... from a previous episode right no i looked it up this is it comes up later this is the first mention of anti-gravity because oh, i went on the i'm like okay i remember this but this has had to have come up in another episode and no i they barely mentioned that like i uh, maybe like the magnet function of his shoes which also comes back in sonic underground but no the anti-grav is this episode it's literally Sorry, no offense to the writers, but literally a like, well, shit, how do we get them down without them dying from a fall? Yeah, oh, exactly. uh, Sonic's got anti-gravity boots. <laughs> Maybe there was an episode that didn't make the fine, that make it onto the actual airing order. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it could be, made. could be. <laughs> it's funny because I just like immediately assumed, oh, it's probably something I missed. It's probably something I missed while Jackie was sat next to me like going, what? <laughs> what was <Yeah>. that? <laughs> I was like, no, they probably explain it. It's fine. 
They don't, I guess. <laughs> That's what I get for having faith in the writers. Because <laughs> I, I can't remember. I think in Sad AM, they might mention, again, I might be mixing it up with Sonic Underground and Archie, but that Uncle Chuck is the one that designs Sonic sneakers uh, because he burns through his regular, you know, regular tennis shoes. Um, like we see, you know, young Sonic wearing in these episodes, but I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head if, if that happens in on screen and set am or not. <laughs> so I guess there is precedent for his shoes having some extra functions, but no, as far as I could tell, the anti-gravity is just this moment in this episode. So, oh, well, this is where it is heavily implied that Robotnik committed genocide against the rest of the dragons. Yes. Because Dulcie's the only one that shows up in, in, in the present time period. That's a really cool thing to have in a cartoon for children. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, it's, it's implied. You, yeah, you have to yeah, dig yeah. into it, but it, you know. Um, but yeah, this is where, because, um, uh, because Sonic and Sally rescued her earlier, uh, Savina, Dulcie's mom, comes back to help take out uh, the robot guards so they can get inside the destroyer airship and uh, set, it to, set it to crash and crash and burn, which, you know, I... They don't really, uh, at the end of this episode, I, I kind of wish they would at least list out like the things that they feel like they've changed mm -hmm. because it seems like stopping the destroyer before it could get to like the entirety of the great forest seemed like, uh, like a, something that would definitely affect the future. Um, but, the, but they do, they make it safely back, back down to the ground and then loop right back around to Robotropolis because now they've got to rescue the people, um, who, who are going to be thrown in the roboticizer before it can be powered back up. However, I think this might be another mistake because Sally keeps mentioning that, oh my goodness, we have X amount of minutes before the roboticizer comes back online. But as she's saying that they cut to, a random Mobian is roboticized and then poor Uncle Chuck uh, gets tossed in it. And then right before, you know, the, the Sonic kids can be is when they burst in to rescue him. So, you know, either that was a mistake or, you know, Sally miscalculated the uh, the time until it was reactivated there. But see, poopsie. Um, there's a lot to talk about in the robot roboticize. Oh, my God, we're going to be here all day trying to pronounce that. The roboticizer <laughs> scene. <laughs> there's a... <laughs> Because there, there are numerous things to point out here. The first thing being, have they ever shown these, like, they look like power rings or halos that they put around the head of the people who are going in the machine, but I'm not, unsure, not entirely sure what the function is other than making them incapable of running away or something. Yeah. What is going on with these things? Do they have precedence for this? Is this just a new thing? I want to say in the episode where Robotnik makes a duplicate of Sally, a robot Sally, that there is something similar that he, again, uh, it looks like power rings, but it's supposed to be like a halo that, uh, yeah, is supposed to like in inhibit their brain functions. So, yeah, like you said, they can't just bolt and run away. 
Um, they can still be shocked and and yell at him, apparently, but that's about as much as they... And move their arms to point at him, but that's about it, I guess. It is super weird. It, it also reminds me, again, of... Uh, I think it's the first proper Archie issue where I don't even think they had a concept of robotization in Archie yet, but they were mind-controlled. Like, it's it's Uncle right. Chuck and Mut- yeah, Mutsky right. have, like... Thinking about that now. Yeah. They have, like, you know, swirly, hypnotized eyes, and Sonic's like, snap out of it, what? happened and Robotnik's like oh they're under my control now but uh, yeah I I don't know if these these weird halo you know (laughs) yeah uh imprisoning halos are ever explained properly the inhibitor rings they got there before (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) can I also point out the weird robot like what when this when this dog guy is roboticized the animation that happens here first off the first frame he's smiling uh I'm not sure I would oh yeah 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 (laughs) <laughs> then, as the, then the way he sort of transforms it's sort of like it's cartoony almost the way his body like bulges out and like the the robot parts almost seem to pop onto him like and you can just imagine like little Hanna Barbera sound effects like boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <laughs> holy sh- okay hold on because I, I think I said this earlier that when this this dog Mobian is roboticized it looks like those those toys from the 90s I think they're called Poochie um, literally manufactured by Sega toys oh my goodness oh. what yes you've, you've exposed <laughs> the conspiracy oh my goodness wow yeah they were distributed by Tiger but this is a Sega toys product from the year 2000 Oh my goodness. I, my sister had one of these. Um, that is crazy. <laughs> I, we're going nuts, folks. Oh my god, yeah, I'm seeing... Oh, like, Super Poochie, I think I'm seeing here. Oh yeah, that's... It looks like this... It looks very much like this dude ends up. Anyway, just a random tangent. This is where we get the other, where Sonic is the one that you know, pushed Robotnik into the, uh, the roboticizer to get that weird metal arm that he's got. That's interesting how that happens. Uh, we've established that things uh, have ch- something changes by the end of this story, uh, but does this like suggest some sort of like I don't know? This fact was always set in, set in stone that he was going to have. His I was going to say I've been I've been wondering about that this whole pair of episodes because they keep changing things as if to imply this is how it was always meant to happen. It was always predestined this way, but also they actually do change stuff. So it's like. They're kind of trying to have it both ways, and as a result, it kind of it comes off a little weird. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's like a, a st- God. Here's me being in there. It's a Steinsgate attractor field situation where time always tries to reset these events to happen, no matter what you do. <laughs> so Robotnik's arm has to change into part robot, so he can start <laughs> being even more roboty because he eventually he's has like the robot robotic filter on his voice, I guess. Yeah, there's, oh, now I can't off the top of my head think of another piece of media. But yes, instead of multiverse theory, instead of branching timelines, it's always that time will try and to correct itself yeah. to incorporate these these changes. Because these and, are important events. Uh, unlike the event that does get changed, which apparently is not important enough. 
Uh, no, <laughs> like to, to jump ahead, the one thing that they do definitely change is that Sally, when they meet back up with Rosie and uh, after they rescue the kids, you know, beg, begs and pleads with her, says, Rosie, please never leave Nothole Village ever, ever for the rest of your life. I know it's you, princess. You can't fool your own nanny. Rosie, I have to tell you something. What's coming? I can't explain now. Just promise me you'll never leave Knothole. Never? Uh, dear, I don't... Never. Please, Rosie, it is very, very important. Well, all right, then. I promise. And she's like, well, okay, dearie, whatever you say. <laughs> and at the, the very closing of the episode... Um, we get Tails uh, coming in to tell Sonic and Sally that supper is ready that Rosie has made. And they're like, Rosie? Rosie the babysitter? And he's like, uh, yeah, who else would it be? But, you know, they don't actually show Rosie in the present, so whatever. <laughs> and she never appears in any other episode. No. <laughs> Tails is just living in the past. No, wait, uh, yeah. I don't think he was even around for that. <laughs> no, he wasn't yeah, no. even he wasn't even born. <laughs> Something's just very wrong with Tails' memory, I guess. So his brain. Maybe he's seeing alternate timelines. Oh no. Right, Ro. It's because he's the chosen one. <laughs> yeah, of course. That was oh. inevitable. Uh one thing that's like Jackie pointed this out to me when we were watching this. It's a bit weird how Sonic, like when Sally is telling, is begging and pleading to Rosie to never leave Not Hole, and Sonic's like, "Well, what about all the space time stuff that you were worried about?" I was like, "Was she really worried?" I mean, yeah, she was worried about them, like them being affected, but they did go back in time to change things. So I don't know. Sonic was the one at the, you know, the, the whole reason he's on board is they were going to go back and stop Robotnik once and for all. So, I, yeah, that's one of those. that's like, OK, some some poorly worded editing here or Sonic is just very stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to say both. Yeah. <laughs> After Robotnik gets his arm roboticized, Sonic is like Sonic, like they have an exchange. I can't remember the exact phrasing. I don't know how or when. You're gonna crash and burn, pal. It's a cheesy line. Jaleel White delivers it so earnestly that I get, I buy into it. <laughs> and it, it comes right after Sonic has arrived just too late to save Uncle Chuck. And yeah. he, you know, he, t he tells him, he says, you gotta fight it, Uncle Chuck. Because that is a previous episode where mm. in the present that they, they managed to temporarily like break the the mind control from from uncle chuck and he he helps him out um so sonic does know it is possible but he he just can't can't do it right now yeah and he even tells his younger self yeah don't worry unk's gonna be just fine it's just gonna take a while but he'll be back to the way he was <laughs> yeah like um modern sonic says like hey sonic enjoy your future it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, yeah. It, a better, you know, it's less metatextual uh, in this one, but maybe worse <laughs> in the Sad AM universe. Oh, uh, boy. But no, it's a, it's, a, it's a sweet little scene, to be fair. Yes, like you said, again, the, the performances from everybody really make it stand out. Yeah, we I don't even think we mentioned that uh, she only gets a couple lines, but that's a uh, April Winchell as uh, Rosie, the babysitter, who's another just one of the funniest uh, ladies I've heard on um, uh, her own podcasts and, and guest appearances. 
I think she she might still be the uh, the current official voice for uh, Clarabelle the cow. She is, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, she's she's great. Love April Winchell. And that honestly brings us about to the end. Like Sonic and Sally help Rosie and the kids escape through the secret hatch, and then manage to get back to the future before Robotnik catches up to them. Uh, freezing. And we get the reveal that yeah, we even though Sonic's still ticked that. They could have stopped him. They they get two wins in the form of the original roboticizer plans, and Rosie is alive, even though it has absolutely no effect on future episodes. Yeah, you can imagine, especially the roboticizer plans might have led to uh, again some like reverse technology or a way to like free all of the. <laughs> I think you said it earlier, Chris, but yeah, to borrow an Archie term, free the Robians from yeah, Robotnik's control. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> it really is looking back on these. These episodes set up a lot of things that just never happened in the show proper, unfortunately. Man, this, uh, like, it just reminds me of the potential of Sat-AM. I mean, obviously, lots of fans who remember the show will look past that and just see the best parts, and rightfully so. But man, there's just so there. Are, I feel like there are so many missed opportunities with this stuff to set up like a a really ambitious Sonic story, and it's really illustrated here in this time travel episode. And it's <laughs> we've already kind of aired our grievances about yeah. The very next episode is the uh, the combination uh, fed up with Antoine and Ghost Busted, which might be <laughs> two of like the weakest episodes next to the. The aforementioned Rebecca, which is also an Antoine episode. Like, who <laughs> who thought that was a good idea? Like, Antoine never is, in set AM, Antoine is never anything but, yes, a goofy-ass French coward stereotype. Who thought it was a good idea to give him multiple solo episodes in <laughs> season well, two? fine in the role he had of being the silly uh, comic relief character. And, the, and you know me, I, I, I love me a good comic relief character, especially they just happen to be voiced by Rob Paulson of all people. <laughs> yes. There's only so much of that voice you can take at one given time. On the whole, I, I really like these episodes. It was simultaneously reminded me of like the, the best things that I recall from Sad AM. Like it does take itself super seriously, but I don't think that hurts it as much as, as you would think. And, yeah. uh, you know, especially like we've already said in that era of cartoons, especially your, your Captain Planets, your Ninja Turtles, that that kind of goes a long way of, of making a memorable universe and that uh it, it it works for the most part and um love me some tim curry was great to to hear him in these episodes and i i really liked going back to these uh, yeah. uh fl- flaws and all um it's because it's not adventures which is completely off the walls nuts you know exactly what you're getting which is a bunch of crazy puns and and looney tune-esque shenanigans uh that it's it's harder to say to like recommend the the show as a whole uh i i really think you'd have to watch a couple episodes to see if it's going to be up to your uh up to your speed uh no pun intended (laughs) but you know it's like it's harder to recommend it now with the current generation of sonic fans because this is so far removed from what Sonic is a lot of the time. Unless you want to... Mm. Unless, like, with the exception of maybe Sonic Forces, which was essentially trying to be this kind of story. Oh, yeah. That failed on all, almost all <laughs> levels. Uh, 
it's but it's hard because this is this show is it's a real interesting show but it's not a very sonicy show i feel like it's hard to you basically have to recommend it with a lot of context mm-hmm. like when I would recommend Archie Sonic issues to people where I would say, oh yeah, they get really good. But also if you don't really understand <laughs> the tumultuous times that they went through to get to the good stuff, it's hard to really, to really appreciate it fully. But yeah, it, it is super, it's super weird. <laughs> you, you do have to understand the, uh, what was going on with, with Sonic as a franchise at the time. It is very much of a specific time and place. Yeah, but it's also like in many ways it helped forge like at least what the Western understanding of Sonic was for a lot of American fans, and and you know it is very iconic and important. I think like in terms of what we would get in later Sonic media, even into STC on my end, because even I re- at the time I recognized that they were taking a few ideas from what was going on in Sat-AM. Like, definitely more that than Archie, because I don't think they knew about Archie, but Sat-AM was one of the things they were pulling from in terms of having, like, the Freedom Fighters and Robotnik taking over, and, um... The, what else? Is there? there are other things. <laughs> it's, uh, um, it's, Robotnik's, uh, uh... What is it called in STC? Robotnik's, uh, you know, like, palace base of operations? Yeah, yeah, old. yeah! Um, Citadel Robotnik is reminiscent of Robotropolis, I have to say. Very and much so, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I might be wrong on this, but I'm fairly certain Grimer was written in with the idea of originally being Snively, because Nigel Kitching thought he had to have Snively in this. Yeah. Uh, but then he ended, ended up making his own character, and all the better for it, a uh, different character and Entirely. but robotnik's always needs a henchman sidekick yeah it's true uh, and snively it serves his own purpose sometimes you've got like the the one guy who's there to serve uh, robotnik's needs or you've got the two bumbling sidekicks uh but snively is his own guy in many ways because in the case of a grimer and an agent stone and and a uh, dr starline at first there's someone who like really respects and looks up to Robotnik. Real sick of hates his uncle. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he hates his guts. It. Yeah, but knows knows uh, knows that he is also like powerless uh, to do anything. You know, to to usurp him on his own. So uh, th- yeah, there's a lot of there's so much so much of this ends up being the DNA of how many Western fans understand Sonic and. Even if it is, like, entirely its own thing. It's not even got, like, anything to do with the Sonic Bibles that we spent a long time talking about. It's, uh, it was an early sample example of, like I mentioned before, a, a creative team getting a lot of creative freedom with Sonic. The kind of which they could only dream of getting from Sega. The, the kind of carte yeah. blanche that they would never get in this day and age. And you could argue the pros and cons of that. Uh, I think it has led to some pretty great sonic content but there is something really interesting about them being able to take like the basic ideas of sonic and forge their own world around it whether you like it or not is entirely up to you i enjoy it but it wasn't my favorite growing up because it didn't remind me of the games very much so when we got stuff like this episode where they like had little things that reminded me of the games it's like oh okay it's a sonic show (laughs) (laughs) yep yeah, honestly, it was it was fun for me to go back to this because it's been a long time since I've watched literally any Saturday morning. So it was nice to kind of get that blast from the past, not to make the obvious pun. Well, you made it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm in it now. 
yeah, I, I do want to maybe go watch a few more episodes of the show just to kind of get back into that mindset because it has been a while. And, you know, this has got me a little bit more back in the mood to dive in a little deeper and refresh myself on stuff I've forgotten. So I, I wanted to ask you all, um, since we made the episode uh, a previous episode about Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog and their also about time travel. Yes, their time yep. travel <laughs> arc. Um, I, I will say up front, it's not to me. It's not fair to compare the two, like st- like just straight up, just because of the fact that they do time travel. But um, like, do you have any thoughts as to like sort of this versus that? Um, like, I guess the best question I can ask is, who do you think necessarily handled time travel better? I think, like, here's the first thing. It is interesting that both of these arcs that leaned into time travel uh, started employing more concepts from the games. The, the Chaos Emeralds on the part of the uh, the Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog one and the Time Stones in this one, which is kind of makes a bit more sense when you think about it. But, uh, hmm. Like, the Adventures one had the benefit of having more episodes. Like, it's a little unfair almost. Yeah. Yeah, I think overall, I would say Sadam handles the concept of magical time travel a little bit better. First of all, by making it magical, like, mm-hmm. you know, they, they meet the owl wizard man and have an artifact. Um, and they also don't do like, again, because Ad- Adventures is very comedy based, they don't do a silly thing like, oh, I'll just, you know, wait here for Professor K. Einstein to, <laughs> you know, marry a thing and yada, yada, yada. They don't do any of those, uh, 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 you know, time paradoxes. Um, but uh, yeah, Adventures, it, it's, it's definitely a more lighthearted, like, it doesn't really focus on the thing. Um, it is a little difficult to compare the two uh, because it's so uh, uh, so wildly different in tone and purpose. Yeah. Yeah, really. And uh, it is funny that both of them almost entirely go back to the status quo at the beginning, aside from the <laughs> yeah. character being back that we never see again anyway. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> also, they're, 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 sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I will say the Adventures one did have high, what was it again? Supreme High Robotnik and that yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to follow. Supreme Naked Robotnik. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> um uh, for myself, I'll say as far as entertainment, these are to me very both very enjoyable stretches of episodes. As far as like which one and I think I I, I, I think I handled the question wrong earlier. I really should have just asked which one did you enjoy the time of travel mechanic more? Mm. And it, for me in this case, I'll have to say I like both, but I think setting in just a little bit more just because it's a, it's the surrounding context of how the show carries itself and because it takes itself very seriously. And so the way that it plays around with time travel, which Luke said earlier, it's, it's kind of trying to have its cake and eat it too. Uh, but I like the fact that at least for me, when I watched the episodes, it still felt dramatic enough where like they're trying not to make too many changes to the timeline except for making one really big change <laughs> to the timeline. Um, <laughs> but um, I just I just like the dramatic element around it. And it, it just feels like an extra, it just feels like an extra like chunk of story that adds weight to the presence of each episode. Yes, I, I see what you're saying. I'm immediately comparing like um, 
you know, where Sally explains that, like, they have to be careful, especially with Robotnik around, that, yeah, if anything happens to the Sonic kids, that they will cease to exist. And comparing to the incredibly silly, uh, uh, but played for drama, Masonic the Hedgehog <laughs> game accidentally blocked so sonic <laughs> disappears from reality for a brief moment yeah. in front of tails Hog that's blocked. kind of the satyam one is like dealing with actual events that are important to the backstory of sonic whereas adventures of sonic hedgehog is just like let's go back to this time period and this time period and whoops we're in each moby dip now moby and it's all very moby dip moby dip that's moby. it my goodness it's it's all just silly stuff that doesn't really have any relevance to the the major plot because there isn't much in Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> yes. so. Yeah. But it is appropriate for what it what both TV shows are. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. They they those time travel storylines were the kind of time travel storylines you would have for each respective show. Can you imagine if Adventures was the one that decided to go back and deal with Sonic's like family history or something? That no, no, like directly like his parents or some stuff. And when Robotnik took over and Satyam was like, okay, time to go back into prehistoric Satyam times. <laughs> oh no, the humans are here! Oh, it's weird. <laughs> 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 Oh, God. Although, sorry. One last time before we end the episode, a memory of Archie Sonic where <laughs> don't they literally go back to prehistory and meet Sonog the Bog Hog? <laughs> who is what, a don't cave- you mean a hedgehog? I've never seen any nope. hedges around here, son. Just bogs. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> one day. <laughs> yeah, one day. One day. <laughs> Put it on the back burner. Yeah, we spent a long time talking about good Archie Sonic, but uh, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> he says with uh, defeat in his voice. Yeah. Yeah, yes, with no palpable. Relish. Yeah, I guess that about wraps us up. So you can find me on Twitter at Cyberlink420. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Great Job Jeremy. That's G R and the number eight. You can find me on Twitter and a lot of socials as Falero, and that's F-A-U-L-E-R-R-O. I got it right. Hooray. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Uh, And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at RockTheJake. And of course, special thanks as always go out to Amy Waters for the use of our theme song from the album Gotta Go Slow. You can, of course, check out more of her work on YouTube and Bandcamp. And please make sure to, you know, like, comment, rate, subscribe, all that other good stuff for the podcast because it does help and we do want to kind of get ourselves out there more so we can keep doing the show please do yes like when people would listen to this that'd be cool that would be nice (laughs) that'd be way past cool (laughs) and Uh, you know what shout out to all the people in our in our youtube videos who comment uh, every time or almost every time thank you for your continuing engagement because it truly especially means a lot to all of us and it's just cool to know that. I mean, it's great to hang out all together and talk about this stuff, but it's also good to know people are listening and we just want to keep growing that. Speaking of, you know, growing that for next time, we're doing something. I know I say this a lot. We're doing something a little different, but we are <laughs> in fact doing something a little different because next time it's going to be our big winter holiday special. Woohoo! Oh man. It's going to be so special. We're not going to actually tell you what we're doing, but we're going to do it. 
<laughs> we are going to do it. We're going to do it to it. It's going to be a jam-packed episode that you will not want to miss. So do stay tuned for that. A Sonic Jam-packed episode? Mayhaps. A juicing and jam-packed <laughs> episode? Okay, you're pushing it now. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really feeling in that uh, in the holiday spirit, the festive spirit. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can feel the frost in the air around me. I can, I can feel it all coming around. It's, oh man, I'm so desperate to put my fan back on. Jesus Christ, we're in the middle of the year. It's a balmy 100 degrees outside. Oh, the, the weather, weather outside, outside is frightful. frightful. <laughs> 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 but now oh, the reason you think. That's how far ahead we are, by the way, to pull the curtain yes. back a little bit. And uh, I really want to pull the curtain back right now because, oh my goodness. No, don't call, pull the curtain back. It's keeping the sunlight out and keeping the oh, room no! cool. Uh-huh. Oh, he's burnt. You can either assume that we are recording very far ahead or that the uh, nuclear apocalypse has finally come for us all <laughs> and has destroyed any future winters. <laughs> I can't wait till we find out together. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know what? Hey, it's cool that this episode still went out after the apocalypse. Yeah, oh. no, I no, I queued up all the episodes. Even if we're dead, there's still going to be like 15 left to go. <laughs> That's the only record of humanity left is Sonic the Hedgehog podcasts. <laughs> and the aliens come. As the prophets intended. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm Cyberlink. <laughs> I'm Game Buddy. I'm Falero. And I'm Ratha Jake. And... You haven't lived until you've had one of my dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Two with the works, please. (laughs) It's weird that he's a pig. (laughs) Yeah. He's a sick f.